I want to preface this interview with a trigger warning. If you're going through infertility and or surrogacy, I asked some pretty raw questions today. So if that's something that makes you uncomfortable, you can skip down to the second half of the episode where we shift the gears and the conversation to talking about how they built their new company and how they managed to be husband and wife and co-founders. Today, my guests are Sarah and Ben Jensen. Sarah and Ben went through 14 years of unexplained infertility. After many trying years, they were blessed with two miracle babies created out of surrogacy by their own sisters. Their two children became the namesake and inspiration for their new company, Hue and Grace, which is the first skincare brand addressing hormone disruption and hormone self-care in the market. In today's episode, Sarah and Ben open up to all the raw emotions of what the infertility journey looked like from both perspectives as partners, how it evolved over time, and the lessons they learned from it all. Their story is extremely inspirational, and I thank them so much for sharing their unfiltered story today. Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Hey everyone, I wanted to take a moment to remind you about a virtual event that's happening this Saturday, April 17th called Fertility Rally Live. It's hosted by my friend Ali Prado and Blair Nelson, the co-founders of Fertility Rally. It's going to be an all-day jam-packed event featuring the infertility community's most respected and sought-after keynote speakers and influencers, no BS panels, powerful breakout sessions, mic drop moments, insane virtual swag bags, and all the support one could ever imagine from their hashtag TTC community. If you or someone you love is going through infertility, pregnancy after infertility, or building their modern families, you do not want to miss this event. Some of the topics they're going to cover are egg freezing, IVF, secondary infertility, pregnancy after infertility, adoption, embryo adoption, surrogacy, PCOS, plus size infertility, living childless, not by choice, male factor infertility, genetic testing, and so much more. Literally, I think they're covering every single topic imaginable about infertility. You will leave feeling inspired, educated, and empowered. For tickets, go to fertilityrally.com and check out more on their Instagram at fertilityrally. Again, that's fertilityrally.com and it's this Saturday, April 17th. Welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'm mixing it up a bit and bringing on a husband and wife entrepreneur duo, Sarah and Ben Jensen, who are also the co-founders of Hue and Grace, the first skincare brand to address hormone disruption and hormone self-care. Welcome, Sarah and Ben. Hi. Thank you. So great to be here. I want to actually start off with a quick question. What was your biggest parenting win of the week? (laughs) Of the week. Let's see. So we're currently kind of quarantining in Sarah's parents' home in Northern California. 
which means sleep schedules are all over the place. And our kids have figured out that they can manipulate grandma and grandpa for whatever they want, which means we don't sleep much. And I think the big win was last night. We actually got them on bed in bed on time, which doesn't sound like much, but when you have a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old and you're chasing them and then one goes to see grandma and grandpa and pulls out the iPad and the other one says, I need to eat again. I, I think getting them to bed on time was, was a big win for us. <laughs> I love that. Routines are actually really important for little kids. So I was also going to ask, you know, tell us a little bit about your family structure, number of kids, ages. I know you just said that, but <laughs> give us a little bit more context about your family. Yeah. So our family, well, it took us a very long time to have our family. We've been married for 18 years and we spent 14 of those years trying to get pregnant unsuccessfully. We were diagnosed with unexplained infertility and we did everything we knew to do. We went, you know, spent all of our money going to top doctors across the country. We did diets and acupuncture and therapy and yoga. You name it, we did it. We happy, amazing part of our story. You know, we have kids, but so Ben's sister volunteered to be our first surrogate and gave birth to our son, and then my sister volunteered to be our second surrogate and gave birth to our daughter. Oof, that just gave me the chills. I'll ask more about that in a bit because I definitely want to know, you know, the psychological things going on there. Uh, and so now you have two beautiful kids, and I assume their names are Hugh and Grace. They are Hugh and Grace. And as you mentioned on the way in, we have a company named Hugh and Grace. We can talk about that, but it was part of our, our learnings and our journey to have a family that, that kind of inspired us or, or almost compelled us to start start a business and change our lives a bit. So to leave our secure jobs. <laughs> right before COVID. <laughs> no, no pressure, no problem. No, just asking the family structure. We're, we're very close to our family. We're both come from, been like both come from very large families. Hugh is three and a half and Grace is a year and a half old. And now both of you are co-founders. So that kind of puts a different dynamic into the whole family situation. How do you manage having two little kids while also starting this company, coming from stability, having, you know, corporate background, corporate jobs, or just a steady paycheck. Now you're launched something new, you have little kids. What does that look like right now? Yeah, it's almost comical when you put the word co, you can put it in front of like 10 things of us. We're, we're co-parents and co-founders and co-CEOs and I don't know, co cooperative. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's, we're at a very amazing stage in life. Like we worked really hard to have our kids and it put a tremendous toll and strain on our marriage and did a lot of things that we just didn't anticipate. You don't dream about that journey to have a family. When you think of, you know, when you're first married, we got married young. We thought we'd have kids in our early late twenties, early thirties. And I was 43 before we had our first kid, 42. Anyway, I, I think, how do we manage it? We just work. And one of the things that we committed to do early is that we would be partners in our marriage. And so we've been business partners in the past through a failed business. I wouldn't say failed. We were actually defrauded. A guy, a guy cooked the books on us, but we worked it out and came out of it okay. And so we went through a struggle early in our marriage where we learned how to kind of work together, navigate that. But then you add the complexity of children and you add the complexity of a, a, a really uncertain time in the world right now. And then founding a business is unlike anything else. I mean, and, and then put all that stuff. It's, it's been 
we're just, I'll put it this way. We're really happy to be in 2021 and, and alive. <laughs> so, so I'm curious, who's on your board of, I was going to say like either personal helpers or people that you go to, because I know being a co-founder in general, I know a lot of co-founders go through, I guess, even like relationship therapy, but being husband and wife also in this, do you have your own personal board of advisors you go to, whether it be for childcare help, whether it be for mental health, how do you guys do that? Yeah. But we've been doing a lot of therapy. Did you leave that? <laughs> Fortunately, we, we don't look at that as a stigmatized thing. It, it, it's, I mean, it, it started as a sad thing. I mean, my folks, when we first got married, we're, we're, we're going through a divorce, like right at that tandem time. But one of the things they did that I think was very wise and that we'll pass on to our kids, but they gave us a, a series of therapy sessions as our wedding gift. And they said, you're in love. You don't need them now. Learn how to communicate when there's not friction. And so we, we did that early on. And so over the years, depending on what's going on, we've gone in for some kind of touch-ups and retooling. And, and then there's been some hard, hard and heavy times. But I think it taught us communication skills throughout a long period of time that had really helped us be able to, you know, we get frustrated, we get angry, we have, we're both type A people, but we know boundaries and we know how to work through it and we don't hold grudges. And I'll let Sarah speak to her, her take. Well, no, also, <laughs> I learned a while ago, I don't speak for her. <laughs> no, but I mean, this past year has been incredibly difficult launching and the uncertainty and having two young ones who don't sleep most of the, you know, all through the night. But the 14 years of hell we went through of the not knowing if we can get pregnant and then the failure every month and the uncertainty and the unknown there, I feel like that was even worse than what we went through. And so because we're so passionate about what we are, I actually feel like now we're building something tangible where with the infertility, it's just question mark and doubt and failure and uncertainty. So I actually feel like, although it's incredibly difficult, we've been through harder things together. It's interesting. I'm seeing kind of a parallel between building a company. And also I know, I mean, this isn't a great apples to apples, but like infertility, the journey that you went through, you know, so many years of trying and failing and all of this, was there ever a point that you decided maybe we shouldn't do this and just to give up? Because I think also on the flip side, a lot of people building companies to go through this and they go through these periods of failure and thinking they're going to give up. And I know like having a little human is completely different, but to a lot of people too, having a little human and having a company are very, very similar. They're both their babies. And so was there ever a point in this that you wanted to just give up and why didn't you? So during those 14 years, we definitely took breaks. We would say, we cannot, I cannot not even think about trying to get pregnant for the next four months. Don't like it's off our minds. And then we would regroup. I think a turning point for us during our fertility journey is one day Ben came to me and said, are we only going to be parents to kids that are genetically ours that you give birth to, or are we going to become parents? Because if we're going to become parents, all of a sudden we have so many options, the timetable and the rush isn't there. And we decided, and this is after several years, like we just, that was like mind blowing for me. I'm like, yeah, oh. I wish I would have figured that out a long time ago. <laughs> and we said, you know, we're going to become parents. That was, we both decided on it. And it took us, I don't think if you asked me that, that, you know, the second month of us trying, I would have said that, but we got to the point and it just took so much stress and pressure. And so we said, okay, we're going to do this. And now there are so many other ways. There's like a breath of fresh air. And we conceptualized building a fertility wellness company for probably four years before moving over to working on Hugh and Grace, but taking breaks and realizing, you know, there are changes and you adapt. And if you have the end goal, there are multiple ways to get there, even though I mean, traditionally you think, okay, to get pregnant, you give birth yourself. 
that didn't happen for us and they are our genetic children. And, you know, so things can work out. Yeah. And by the way, we had never contemplated surrogacy. We didn't know anything about it. I guess we knew it existed, but we didn't know anybody who'd been through it. It wasn't on our list. It only happened after a, a sweet and sincere conversation my wife had with my sister we hadn't talked about it and it was kind of taboo. And we just said, leave us alone. Everybody, we share their look, we're the oldest, each of us come as the oldest of six children. And wow. so, and we were the only ones in our families of six children who had not had children. So we had watched 35 kids be born before we had ours, something like that. There's a, and then, cause there's a yours and mine on, on my side of the family, there's a remarriage. So there's just tons of kids. We were forever uncle Ben and aunt Sarah. And <laughs> we had to kind of, reset the paradigm and we we as sarah said we just said how can we reset this how you can't take control of the journey all the time how can we take control of our own emotions and that was that was a turning point and it was a bit of inspiration for both of us and it came at a time we really needed it and it was it was a it's like a boiling point i don't think people fully comprehend it if, if you've been through it you get it and it, it whether it's two months or two years or 20 years you you, you get it it's emotions there it's deep it's raw and it's real and, and it's not a contest about who went through longer and more it's it stirs you in a way that you can't explain unless you kind of live through it and in our case it's, it's a process and i i still feel like i have somewhat of an obligation as a man to open my mouth and and it's somewhat for for the penance of the first half of our struggle where i wasn't very supportive and i didn't do i didn't do what i could have and i didn't comprehend the amount of stress strain and pain that my wife was going through. So I still have to open my mouth <laughs> and, and kind of advocate that, you know, that it's a real thing. And there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And, and, and there, there's a certain level of support that just isn't always there. That should be. What switched in your mind to kind of get on board? Because I mean, for the female, the, the mom is the one who is getting the shots. The mom's the one who's going through the treatments, feeling the hormones. I mean, like there's so many things that go on in her body and it's hard. The partner can be there to be there supportive, but what really changed in you to finally just get on board? Yeah, I, I can't point to a specific. I did one, and, and maybe it's because I recorded it, but I did one time record my wife who was feeling fine. And then all of a sudden just broke down and, and, and I just watched her cry. And I was trying to be cute and have her stop crying, but I just saw her weeping and I saw pain in her. And I realized that that she cared so much and she couldn't solve the problem. And it wasn't her problem. It was our problem. You know, we unexplained infertility. I don't want to compare it to anything, but for us was really difficult because if you're a problem solver, give me a problem. I'll solve it. We don't have a problem. We had a, we had a problem that couldn't be defined. So how do you create a solution to that? Right. And so that, that was, that was frustrating. We both kind of, our tests came in within acceptable ranges and it all should have worked and it just didn't. And we spent, yeah, we could have bought a house. We spent all this money and, and, and all this uncertainty over time and put our, you know, we both had careers, but entrepreneurial ambitions were not even a reality. We couldn't do that if we'd wanted to. We needed to make money and we needed to, it shaped kind of how we saw the world and what we did. And we had a great time. We both got educated. I mean, that's where we met you. That's where I met you was <laughs> graduate school years and years ago. And so we invested in ourselves and we traveled and there were those moments, but there was, there was a certain emptiness that we were really trying to solve for. So as far what changed, I think the memory I have is, is of Sarah on the couch, just losing it. And, it. and it was in a moment where I just felt a deep sense of compassion. 
And then it caused me to reflect to the early times when we were going through and we were doing our first IUI, you know, where they, I had to do my part, my, my very difficult part, man. My, car, my part was to not miss the cup, you know? <laughs> uh, I actually, I actually bought the, I bought the domain name, don'tmissthecup.com. I thought I'd do something with it someday because that's, that was kind of all I had to do. And then the rest of it, besides that moment in the cheetah room, whatever, was to, to show up for her because her, her, her part was far more complicated. And I just, I didn't get that, you know, those early years, of, I don't know if it was immaturity or I think I'm, as a man, you don't want to think that there's something wrong with you. It's very, for me to assume that maybe I had some role in this, it could have been me was, it was hard for me to even comprehend that there's, there's a certain amount of ego or just self-worth or whatever. And so I didn't want to think about that. So then I kind of put it on her and that just wasn't the right attitude. And I, I shifted and she could, she could speak to what I ended up becoming, but I've seen and talked to a lot of guys. I've, I've had so many people ask, well, whose fault was it? And the word fault should never, ever enter in a conversation about fertility. It's just not, there's no place for it, but it, like, it's complicated. And it's interesting because so we didn't tell anybody for 10 years we were trying. It was just something that we were so, I, I don't want anybody asking me, am I pregnant having to tell them no? I didn't want, you know, it was just something we were so private about. And so the first time we told anybody in our family was 10 years in when I told Ben's sister, we were trying to get pregnant. That's when she volunteered to be our surrogate. It took her three attempts to get pregnant. She had you know, multiple surgeries along the way. It was a very difficult process. She, she had a, a very scary hemorrhaging. I mean, it, it was, you, you don't think about, we've had comments and I don't take it personally because people don't mean it this way, but you've had comments where people say, oh, you guys got it the easy way or this or that, you know, Sarah didn't have to give birth, but there are. And I guess I'll share because your listeners may, may have never been exposed to it. When you have a third party involved in something that's supposed to be so intimate, there are a whole number of things that you have to kind of deal with and almost grieve. And I had always wanted to be a father and I was excited about it. And <laughs> You're going to have to talk. I'll start crying. <laughs> no, but you, there's things like, I, I, you know, I couldn't dote on my wife and get her her cravings. You know, there's things like that that you don't get. And you, you have to kind of just accept that you're going to have a family and, and the way you dream of it isn't the important part. It's, it's, it's what comes of it and then what you make of it from there. I didn't cry for about 15 years and then we had our children and now I, I just can't stop. So I, <laughs> male menopause, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Sarah, for you, I mean, in the beginning, how to the women out there, how did you communicate to Ben? How did you, when you were going through that, is there anything you can advise for women out there, you know, in the beginning stages like that? I, so for so long, I was so private and I still am private on a lot of things. And so I, for a long time, I didn't even tell Ben like I, what I was dealing with. Cause I felt as a woman, even though we we're unexplained fertility doesn't matter, but as a woman, as like, like, you think that my job is to get pregnant and get birth. And I couldn't give that to my husband. And I knew so badly he wanted to be a father. And so I felt like I was failing, but I wish looking back, I would have been kind to myself because I felt there was a lot of self-anger feelings of failure. And then also, well, we went to therapy, but really communicated more and saying, I need you to do this because when you're going to the doctor's appointments, he doesn't need to go to every single one. You know, you're in there having a shot and your blood work. He can't really, and he would fall towards the end, especially you'd volunteer to go every single I gave you, I gave you every single shot, except I think for two in, I don't know how many cycles, in, uh, a lot of cycles. But instead of always just feeling like I'm the woman, I should take it on. 
that it was when he finally saw me and when I was able to communicate how difficult it was to me, it really helped our relationship and change our relationship for the better. I wish you would have been nicer to me when you were on your crazy hormones <laughs> <laughs> and, and not, and not thrown things. Those, those hormones parts, make you crazy. They make you crazy. Uh, make, I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you don't even need fertility hormones to say that hormones make women crazy. I mean, right. in general, I think That's we all experience that. Part of why we built our business. Which I want to get to in a minute, but I want to talk a little bit about surrogacy because I mean, and I, I keep making a parallel to business, but you know, you don't like mixing business. It's not, it's not a bad parallel. It's not but, a bad parallel. I was thinking of it as you said it. I, I can give you a whole litany of how there's, you know, feeding and caring for it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, especially when you're entrepreneurs, but there's a saying, don't mix business and family because, you know, if something happens in business and it goes wrong and family, it causes tension and all of that. Surrogacy is a very intimate thing with anyone. And you both have family as your surrogates. Explain to me how that, that <laughs> conversation, how that works, you know, how I'm just trying to even wrap my head around it. Give me your side of this. Yeah. You know, I have had friends who've had to hire surrogates and one way I was jealous because as soon as the baby was born, they never talked to the surrogate again. And it sounds, yeah, or I had, had quite a bit of distance. They're not going to see him on family. Well, yes. And, family dinner. <laughs> you know, and it's, and so no, and, and so I actually, during the pregnancy, but it took our first surrogate three attempts to get pregnant. She almost died during the pregnancy. It, it was very, very difficult. And then knowing it was hard for her and my sister after the, after the birth, you know, having postpartum or having this, this feeling I've never given birth, but I can imagine it's not easy to give the baby away. And then knowing that this baby still could be in your life and have this love for this child. And then it's, I also, I never, I, I was really jealous of them during the pregnancy and I was I went to a lot of therapy during this time also, but it's this weird feeling because I tried so hard to get pregnant and then I wasn't pregnant. And then the whole issue where we had been so private about infertility and then we're going out to tell my friends and coworkers we were having a baby. Well, yeah. How do you have, I, a, how do you have a baby shower? I mean, I, there were some really, really sweet things that happened that I still, we didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to solve those problems. And it was you're not giving birth. What do you do? You, you, you invite the surrogate. There's just a lot of things that are complicated. How do you pay tribute, but also keep distance so that's your child? And of course, Sarah, I, I mentioned there was a, a, a bit of grieving for this, this ideal situation of, of you know, that you, you think it's going to be. Well, imagine my wife, who her sister and my sister, they don't want to talk to me about morning sickness and throwing up and all those things. So Sarah had to be the male in, in that relationship. Literally. I was a partner. So she I had to was... be the partner. And I shouldn't say male. She had to be the partner. She had to be the other half of that relationship. And that was hard for me because I always pictured the pregnancy as being doted on and not the person who was doting on somebody else, you know? And so it was just this really, there's no textbook for this. <laughs> just the motions were weird because I get jealous and I get mad. And then I'd be like, why am I mad at this amazing woman who's doing this thing for me? But I couldn't, it was hard for me to express my feelings because then I felt like I was a terrible person because I was mad at my surrogate. <laughs> well, yeah, me, was, being, me being logical. And I think it's important we note this, the sacrifice that these two amazing women made and their families, and their families you don't think about it and you want to get in the technical details the first thing you have to do is they're both married they both had children already the first thing we had to do is go to get a contract go to an attorney then the first thing after that was we had to go to a therapist and we had to all make sure the therapist had to make sure that we were all mentally understanding what we're doing and willing and able then their husbands had to sign a contract saying that they wouldn't have not only they wouldn't have sex with their wives 
or anyone else, which they're for the first sure, three months, the first three months, because they could theoretically impregnate while we were doing all of this stuff. Then we had to go get STD tests because we're going to be passing around genetic material. It's, there's a lot involved that you, that you don't think about. Yeah, we, I had a bad testing machine that told me I had an STD. It was wrong. <laughs> and it wasn't just any STD. It, this machine told me I had AIDS. And I was saying, are you kidding me? And I had to spend $1,800 to prove that I didn't have something I didn't have. We digress. It, it was, I'm sorry. I, just, I, I still can't believe that one. I had to get tested. Like, it was ridiculous. So I never had it. Let's, let's clear, clear the air on that. But it's just, it's not... There's no romance. There's, of, there's no romance in there. There's a lot of emotions. It was I, you know, we named our daughter, our son after Ben's sister, family member of Ben's sister, and my, you know, my daughter's middle name is Michelle after my sister. So it's you want to pay tribute, you want to honor them, but it's also it's hard yeah. because I, one way, I want to feel like I don't owe anybody anything. I just want to have our kids. Do you have any, and this might be, you don't have to answer this, but do you have a story on how you're going to communicate with your children when they start asking you questions? So we talked to a therapist about this also. And she said, you know, you don't do like a sit down reveal. Like this is a big thing. We call special aunt Jenna, special aunt Michelle. They loved you so much that they helped bring you into this world. And our son, Hugh was almost two when we flew to Oklahoma to go pick up our daughter, Grace. And so he you know, he knows he's like, you fly to Oklahoma and you get a baby, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so it's something that thankfully we know in LA, you have exposure to so many different types of families and different people. And we just say this mama's tummy didn't work. And this is how family, we, everyone family. loves you so much to come together and to help you get here. It's given us a certain sense of, sense of compassion because family is family. And I, there's no indictment there. It's just when you when it doesn't go the traditional way and when your life doesn't turn out the way that the majority of societies does, you, you, you learn a certain toleration, acceptance and appreciation for the way people are able to find that that missing piece or that love that they're seeking in their lives. And so we're we're tremendously grateful and we're, we're tremendously appreciative of what we have. And also just a point, like when we didn't talk about infertility because it was so hurtful and private, when we started telling people we were using a surrogate and it was our family members. We had so many people come to us and share stories either about fertility or about health issues or about something that they struggle with in their life. It was just so interesting to see when I was vulnerable and shared pain and something that was really hard for me, that people connected to us on a different level and different friendships were born. And it was, it really enriched our lives as well. It taught us a, a deep and abiding lesson. We as people need each other and no one makes it through life alone or without help. And so when you need it, you need to open your mouth. And I think one of the learnings that we had along the way is we were both struggling. I initially said, no, there's no way we're going to, to allow you know, our family members to carry our children. I, I can't, how am I going to repay the gifts of life? How am I going to repay something like that? You can't, it's not possible. You can't give life. But I, I think- as we saw Jenna and Michelle carrying our children and we saw the experience that they had with their families and the closeness that it brought to them and the struggle and strain. I mean, it was, it was a, it's not, it's not easy, but the experience was unlike anything else. And we thought, you know, had we not been vulnerable and opened our mouths and then had we not said yes and let them serve us, they would not have had this life-changing experience in their way. So on some level that, that, was a reward that we couldn't, we can't give them money to pay for it that would, that would pay back what they did for us. They wouldn't take it anyway, but we can give them appreciation and gratitude and a life experience that, that, that is 
very special. So, and I think you mentioned a couple things that really resonated. One is back when you said, you know, we decided we wanted to become parents. And I think that's really important because parents are the people who raise you. They don't necessarily have to be the people who gave birth to you. And so by becoming this, I think that's really powerful. And another thing that you were saying was just sharing your story opened up so many more conversations. And I think like, thank you for coming on today and being so vulnerable and talking about this because who knows your episode right now might impact someone out there and change their lives for the good. And so thank you so much for like sharing that because you don't realize how many people or just that one little mindset shift in someone. And so what you're doing with your company and sharing your story is making an impact on so many people. And I want to talk about too, the company that you're building and how you transitioned into creating this. We hear your story on what fueled it. Tell us a little bit about your pre-Hue and Grace life in terms of what you were doing professionally. And then now what you're doing with this company and what you're on a mission. You and I were classmates years and years ago at graduate school. I, I started my career in, in finance and then real estate and then started in Las Vegas where I was raised and then moved to Los Angeles for graduate school at USC. That's where we met. And Sarah and I had already married prior to that. So we both went to graduate school at SC and then went to work for a big company and then a, a kind of a private equity firm. So I, I bought and sold real estate buildings and then and then we started buying businesses. And so I'd, I'd operate businesses and turn, turn them around and help them grow. And it was a really interesting and kind of fun and I, career. And I, I loved my job. There were things I didn't love about it, but I really, I loved the challenge. And it was rewarding in, in many ways. And it provided us the income that we could do what we needed to do to have a family. Yep. And I had my MBA and then I went, I've always worked ever causes I'm passionate about. So we're for nonprofits. My last role prior to starting Hue and Grace is I worked for, actually for USC for the business school and development. So it's in the major gifts team. I developed relationships with our top alumni and parents across the country. I'm raising transformative gifts for this school, which is great. But when we really enjoyed our careers, but when we learned about well, yeah, I think one of the one of the things we, we kept asking the question why why isn't this working for us what is what is the problem and, and one frustrating element is by the time you get to the fertility doctors it's they're not usually trying to figure out why they're just trying to figure out how to get you pregnant and the easiest way is to do IVF you know and, Which is and expensive and you do it multiple times yeah and I I mean no disrespect I mean we have our family because of science and technology but it is it is a little bit tough it's like going to the auto mechanic and they just kind of tell you something's wrong and you just nod your head because you don't know any better and so that that was that was challenging but we started to look at it and say well what is there what you know what Sarah yeah. experience yeah during one of my rounds of IVF the doctor told me to avoid eating sweet potatoes because sweet potatoes can have an estrogenic effect and they can alter your hormones and at that point, my sweet potatoes are healthy, but at that point I was going in almost daily to get my hormone levels checked and they really wanted everything to be very precise. And so that kind of triggered something for us. And we started doing a lot of research thinking of sweet potatoes could impact our hormone levels. What else was out there? Cause we were trying to do everything. You know, I was an ultra marathoner. I stopped running. Yeah. I was <laughs> the I term was, they, ah. said, they, they said, the run, they said the running chicken does not lay the egg. So, guess so, we, so we, <laughs> we were doing so many, everything, you know, spending all of our money, doing everything possible to try to get pregnant and all Did you go to any like functional medicine doctors, go the natural way to you name it, we tried it. And so we started doing research, a lot of research. And we learned about chemicals known as hormone disruptors that are found in most personal care products, including clean and non-toxic products that alter your hormones. 
And when we first learned about them, we were only focused on infertility. So we were just, they're, they're linked to infertility, you know, really focusing on that there, which was when we were talking about our fertility wellness program. But after having our kids, we took a step back and realized that hormones regulate so many different parts of your body, not just fertility, but these hormone disruptors, they're linked to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, obesity, a loss of IQ points during, pre- development, pre- yeah. during pregnancy for your baby. Just seeing that this is a really big topic that people are not talking about. People talk about toxins, but not hormone disruption. Yeah. And that, that was, there, there was a couple things that happened in this realization. First of all, we, it, it's right in the middle of the, the conversation about clean products and it's a good conversation, but clean has been commercialized. And, you know, we learned quickly that clean means nothing. It means, it means like whatever people want to say, it means it has no regulated definition, at least organic means organic, you know? But in skincare, that doesn't mean too much. And clean beauty is the big hype, the big trend. Every wellness blog talks about clean beauty. But yeah, what exactly does that mean? Right. So, and it is a good thing. I don't mean to minimize it. It's a, it's a step in the right direction. But but it's it's still really confusing. And then clean it can mean a lot of things. Of course, we don't want to put toxic chemicals on our bodies. But toxins promote cell, create cell death, right? And so when you say say something's toxic, you, you know, the mental thing is this is going to do something right now. When you mess with your hormones, you can have effects that are now, you can have effects that are later, and you can have effects that are generational. And that's the thing that we found mothers that are exposed to hormone disruptors, endocrine disrupting chemicals at a high, a high enough level during pregnancy, pass that on to the fetus, they pass that on to the baby. Male sperm rates are at the lowest rates in recorded history. And it's not just the first generation, it can be the second. And we, we, well, that's because we talked to with world renowned fertility doctor on a medical advisory board. He's talked to us about that. It's because these women back, you know, 30, 40 years ago had high exposures to hormone disruptors during their pregnancy. And so the effects and the results can be seen 30, 40 years later. Can you give any examples of like what products we might be using that have and, and what sort of hormone disruptors these are? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole list. I, I'll give you a good resource, and it has nothing to do with us. EWG, Environmental Working Group, has a whole list, a series of, of the Dirty Dozen and this and that. They, they go through all of these different things. And so the, a lot of them are petroleum-based products, one derivative or another, including plastics. And so we, we're, we're right now actually putting content together, some helpful tips that are not overwhelming and not scary. I want to make sure we say this right up front. While we learn this during a time where we were pretty fragile and it can be a topic that can be overwhelming. But one of the things that we set out to do is while we, we may address this and there are some stats and figures that are a little scary, the good news is you can, ch- you can make changes. And we, we have a board member who's, who runs a chemical testing company, at home chemical testing company. And, and she, she said, look, the simplest thing people can do is take a look at their personal care routine, right? Cause we started with our products and we said, where do we start? Do we start with hair care? Do we start with this, that. The notion. What makes the biggest impact? Yeah, what makes the biggest exposure? The notion is what gets on your body gets in your body. Your skin absorbs, right? Think about it. You put a nicotine patch on your skin, it gets into your body. What else does? Well, whatever else you're putting on your skin. So, and, and what we thought was if we could create products that were free from hormone disruptors, first of all, then secondly, we're designed to help your skin retain its moisture barrier, help your skin be healthy. Your skin's your, lar- your, skin's your largest organ. And if it's healthy, you have the first, you, your, your barrier and first line of defense to your environment is intact. So we, we came up with a simple suite of products, four products that are designed to detox, repair, and protect your skin. 
they're a hundred percent natural. They're and they perform amazingly. Amazingly, yeah. that was that was our limit. We said this this needs to outperform almost everything in the market and be incredibly. We call it and, and by the way, hormone safe. You know, it's, yeah. it's like. <laughs> and how did you develop these products? I mean, you know, real estate background, fundraising. Yeah. How, you're not doctors, you know. How do you how do you we, come with, up with these? With a sense of humility, first of all. Yes, but we're the good thing is we're really gonna we have a great network, and I would always you know joke that I can. Uh, but we, we surround ourselves with experts. And so we can get in front of a lot of different people. And so we started tapping into network. We have three world-renowned doctors on our medical advisory board. We, we, went out, we met with the chief innovation officer for the largest beauty manufacturer in the world. We flew to DC, met the whole chief innovation team. We interviewed formulators everywhere and we ended up being introduced to a group that sent all natural formulations for over 15 years. They have 400 years of green chemistry experience in their team. And it's interesting, we first met with them and the CEO comes in and says, the world does not need another face serum. The world does not need another body oil. And we told to him what we want to set out to accomplish to really bring awareness and- And what our product yeah, properties needed to be and what we needed not to have in them and how we wanted to frame the conversation. And at the very end of the conversation, he's like, you know what? The world needs this. We'll, we'll do this. Well, and it took them for a while to figure out how to do this. They said they, we, they've never worked on anything like this before. And so so and one of the things is coming in as outsiders is we just looked at it and said, why do you have to have a 15 step regimen, right? Why do you need or five step, or, or five step regimen? Why do you need all, all, what if, what if, what if you could have a core group of products that worked really well, that gave you what you needed that gave you time back. Oh, and by the way, if your kids put them on your, their skin, they're fine. Like we use our products on our kids. On our, um, our, our they're safe for babies. Yeah. They're safe during pregnancy. They're gender neutral. So to have four skincare products, the entire family can use. So they're luxurious and beautiful. And if you go to our website, it's it's a beautiful frame of reference. But they're for the whole family. We feel really good about that. I we. Our daughter had a diaper rash and we used our body oil and her diaper rash and it went away. And, and we, you know, we get reports of people using for cradle cap and it feels good to know that you're creating something that works really well. That's extremely pure and it's hard to do. Like natural formulations are very tricky. It's kind of like crafting wine. It's, it's, it's really, it's art and science. And so we you have to find people that know what they're doing or you end up with products that just aren't good. That's the stigma that natural products have. Ours are good. <laughs> and we're really, we're really proud of, of, of what we, we were able to accomplish. And we've had tremendous feedback and adoption. And it's, you know, it's, it's rewarding. Yeah, you know, we did all these focus groups before we launched and hoping that people, everyone said they liked it, but then you go out to market. But Rachel Zoe is one of our advisors and investors. She loves our products and is featuring us in her subscription boxes. And we're having- And all of her friends are yeah, like- Tracy Anderson <laughs> calls and says that she wants to sell our products. And so it's been so, it's been really fun to see because we really want to elevate this topic, not make it scary. So here are four simple things you can do in a daily routine. You know, our son wears a mask at preschool and he gets all these sores on his face because- He's a mouth breather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and our face serum is the only thing that's been able to help it. And so to really create things that are, that are luxurious, that really work and that everyone can use. I love that takeaway though, from how you went in there and he said, oh, not another, you know, clean beauty product or whatnot, because yes, how do you differentiate yourself? And so I think what I learned from you guys is really, it was your story and being also very specific, you seemed extremely knowledgeable at what you wanted to accomplish. And I think a lot of people have big ideas, but I love how you really pinpointed and differentiated yourself from that and utilized your network. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not easy and it took time we had to invest a lot before we, we, we had, we had to invest a lot of ourselves and a lot of our resources to, to make sure that what we were trying to accomplish made sense from a business perspective. 
you know, I, I had a personal commitment. I wouldn't take another, I wouldn't take an outside dollar in until I knew that we had a really good shot of success. I, I hate losing people's money. I hate losing my own money, but I really hate losing other people's money. And so we wanted to make sure that we did this the right way. And then the second piece was we committed that we would, whatever we did would just be authentic to who we are. And, and, you know, that's the name. Yeah. <laughs> Named it after our kids. And on <laughs> and that, that note, do yeah. you involve your kids in the business at all? I know they're young, but do you? They burst uh, into Zoom calls all the time. Sure. We have for, for Hugh, we call him our head advocate. We call people who align with our mission advocates. But and we have a little sign for him in our office that said head advocate with paper and pen and a little chair. He so comes in and says, I want to work too. <laughs> when you started, Hugh and Grace, were either of you still working your last job or did you guys just take a leap? I resigned during maternity leave with Grace and Ben yeah, left. Yeah, I, I had made the determination that, that we we have a theme in our business this year and the theme is live intentionally, right? Live, excuse me, live with intention because last year, no matter what your intentions were, we were all reacting right? Reacting to the news, reacting to the unknown, whatever it was. And we just, while it's still a scary time, there's still a lot going on. We will all, we will as a society make it through this and we will figure it out. But this year it's live with intention. And, and that was kind of the same spirit that caused us to look at each other and say, look, we've lived through a tremendously difficult experience. We've come out the other side and I'll give my wife a hundred percent of the credit here. I actually was saying, we have kids, leave me alone. I want to relax. <laughs> and she said, we've learned so much. We, we were given so much. Yeah. We were given these children. We have an obligation to do something about this and we have the ability and skills and networks where we can, we can do it. And she's a pretty good salesman, you know, saleswoman. She's, she's pretty persuasive. I know you guys are both like co-CEOs, but what, what do you think you like your expert? How do you break down the expertises and how do you break down working together as co-founders? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Thankfully we have very complementary skills. He has a lot of strengths that I don't. He's, he does the operations, the finance the strategy, business strategy. I'm more about the vision, the products, the people, passion. the passion. And the so PR. she's got all the P's. <laughs> <laughs> But it, I mean, married eight, almost 19 years, you know, so we've known each other for a long time. But starting a business with your spouse, especially during code, is not easy, especially with young kids. We're getting a lot more gray hair than I would like. <laughs> I think COVID's done that. I, after I had my last kid, I noticed the other day, I was like, I'm getting gray hair. I, I've never had gray hair before, but I think COVID and having kids, it'll do it for you. <laughs> no, but as Sarah said, I think. I think the good part for us is that she has a skill and ability to connect with people that is very unique. And it's something that, that I, I've known before, maybe before she fully recognized, but there's something special about her. And so to have her speaking, connecting, and, and, and to be fair, our mission, our, our, our products are largely purchased by women, not exclusively, but largely. So it's important that she's front and center. And I have no problem with that. She followed me around for my career for almost 20 years and she has some skills that she, she can do great things. And, and I have a skill set and I have the ability to solve problems and figure things out. You know, it's just, that's how my brain's wired. So it works. It works for us. I can't tell you it's tension free. Like there's, there's tension, but in business, you know, my partners that I've had in the past, if we didn't have tension, we weren't coming to the best conclusions. So you've got to have that. The trick is how do you leave it at the door? So to speak, you know, <laughs> it's, how do you not take work yeah. home with you too? <laughs> Yeah, 10 p.m. If we're laying in bed and she brings work up, I, I have a, a strict rule. No, <laughs> I'm not put it on my calendar. <laughs> I'll send him an email. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing your story and all of your journey. And to sort of wrap it up, I wanted to ask you both, what do you think is kind of a superpower that maybe you guys gained once you became parents? Once you had that little baby in your arms and you had to assume this role of parent, what is a superpower that either each of you gained differently or together? The ability to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Back back to the beginning there. On a serious note, and I'll let Sarah conclude, but on a serious note, it it brought a depth of emotion, right? And a depth of gratitude and appreciation that I never had experienced before. My little boy and my little girl, when they run in and they yell, daddy, and they literally run up and jump in our arms there. I was thinking about this just before. To me, there is nothing better than that. It's just, it's just amazing. So to, to feel that depth of emotion and feel that, that somewhat of a feeling of peace has been, I don't know if that's a superpower, but it's been super to me. <laughs> a superpower to learn how to cry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah. I never knew what I could love this much. And then also, I think just to dream and be somewhere, but when all those years of not ever seeing my life is moving on and, and not ever having a, like my definition of being a full, a full life is because all I want to be is be a mother ever since I was little and not ever thinking that that would actually happen. That's after we had our daughter, we took a step back and said, what change can we make in the world? What can we do? It wasn't all about how can we pay for the next fertility round? How can we take care of our surrogates? How can we do this? It was all of a sudden, we who, get, who do we want to be? Who do we want to be? What difference can we make and how can we thrive? And how can we build a great life for us and our kids and, and, and others and share our knowledge in a really authentic, uplifting way? Oh, that gave me chills. Well, thank <laughs> yeah. you. You guys are making a huge impact. I actually can't wait to try your products. And I think I'm going to try them out on my kids too, because I'm always <laughs> looking for, for new, simple skincare routines. I'm terrible at, at doing that. So thank you so much. Where can we find you online? So hughandgrace.com. H-U-G-H-A-N-D-G-R-A-C-E. Come visit us. We, we'd appreciate it. We're, we've got big things to do and we're, we're really, really happy to have people support us. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.